Payo is a payment platform made by Hospo for Hospo. And their new self-checkout technology, Payo Checkout, is here to help you manage your venue. It lets your customers easily settle the bill at the end of their meal in seconds by scanning a Payo Checkout QR code on their table. Start offering self-checkout for your customers and save an average of 10 minutes per table with Payo Checkout, the fastest way to pay in hospitality venues. Visit payo.com.au. Welcome to another Principle of Hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Sean DeVries. Thanks so much for tuning to another episode. Principle of Hospitality has been developed to tell the stories of professionals within the dynamic world of hospitality. We're straight-talking, ethically-minded, and a reliable online source of information and inspiration for people in the hospitality industry. Now, with today's podcast, Melbourne Dining Group owns the very successful Ho Chi Mama and Straight Out of Saigon brands, serving some of the best Asian fusion food in Melbourne, all backed by hip-hop beats. Their director and owner, Tai Ho, has a rich history of bringing some of the best urban musical acts to Australia, as well as being a former nightclub owner. With a passion for the hospitality and entertainment industry, fostering entrepreneurship, and always knowing how to promote a great hospitality experience, I feel really fortunate to sit down with Ty today. Hey, Ty, how are you? Yeah, good. How are you? Oh, absolutely fantastic, mate. Um, great to finally have you on the podcast. I've been chasing you for a while. Um, <laughs> definitely to have you on because I know the value you're really going to add to so many people listening to this podcast today. So when we sat down, you know, a couple of months ago and we talked about your career, you know, in the hospitality industry, but also in the entertainment industry before that happens... Um, you know, I was just absolutely blown away. So, you know, let's talk about that. Like, how did you actually get started in hospitality and entertainment? Well, to be honest, like how it all began kind of started in high school. My close friend and, and, and one of the founders of Ho Chi Mama and I kind of, we were in high school in year 10, we were in a business management course and we had no idea about business at that time um, but we had one teacher who really believed in us. We were kind of like quite a rebellious bunch of, of high school students. Um, and this teacher, her name was Mrs. P. Uh, she, she kind of inspired us to kind of start a business that we would really enjoy. And um, she gave us a $5 challenge. It was a $5 challenge. You have $5 to start this business. And what we did was me and my best friend, we got together created this group and we thought, what could we do? Um, we decided that we would run a, um, because we're both, we weren't great at many things. We were just good at kind of knowing people who were quite, quite social. Um, and we'd like to like kind of enjoy our time with our friends and got people together. So we thought, why don't we create a high school lunchtime party? Um, and with this challenge, we kind of, you know, hired out the drama room. I went up and put up all these posters around the school and, you know, by the week after the event came around and we had sold out the event. We had charged 50 cents entry. This was back <laughs> in, this was back in like year 2000 or something like that. And we had sold out. So for the first time ever, we felt like we were quite the cool kids. Interestingly enough, after that, we were fortunate enough to know a DJ outside of school. Um, and he, 
introduced us to the entertainment industry. So we started promoting outside of school. We started running these, um, being part of these under 18 events. Um, and we were promoting for kind of these cool little skate park parties and like little um, hall parties. And then eventually we were, we were so successful at running these parties and bringing crowds of people to these parties that we were recognized by um, Elusive Entertainment. So Matt Kedinsky, actually, we, we met with him um, yeah. when I was 17 years old. And he, he, him and his team, Adam and Joe, took us under their wing and um, gave us a venue to run parties at, at, at the old, well, currently it's um, Marvel Stadium, but there used to be a nightclub there called Sirens. <laughs> Um, and they own that. Um, so, so Matt Kudinski and, and, and his team gave us that venue to work with them. From there, we kind of like got into this nightclub game and under the wings of Elusive Entertainment, who we all know are one of the, you know, the biggest crews in, in Australia when it comes to bringing entertainment acts, acts down. And they're obviously under Mushroom Records and Matt is now the CEO. Mm. And, then, and then from there, we just, we kind of just, yeah, we, we got into the nightclub game. We started running events. Shortly after that, I was I, I started being mentored by uh, Martha, who currently owns Chase's Nightclub mm. and Inflation, and she took me under her wing. And um, from there, we just, we yeah, we started running events for Martha. Shortly after that, you know, my first opportunity to buy a nightclub when I was 25, and I, you know, we, we got into Fabrique Nightclub, and yeah, we just, you know, continued to ride the wave in the entertainment industry and we started bringing down some of the biggest acts, um, working with some of the biggest festivals. We were, we were a big part of, um, you know, running running side by side with the Elusive guys. Um, we've worked with um, the the hardware guys who run Stereosonic. Um, and then we, we've also done a lot of after parties, you know. Some of the most biggest after parties we ran were like Bruno Mars and... Yeah, so we were able to be a part of a lot of these events. Mm. Uh, my last party, you know, before I went into this restaurant game, uh, was was actually with Paris Hilton. So you know, that was the that was my final wow. goodbye. We ran some big events at Crown Casino. We used to run the whole level three, and and we brought Paris Hilton to that, and it was really cool. Yeah, so that's that's kind of the story of how we began in the entertainment game and mm. in the in the nightclub game. Mm-hmm. How did it come to be that you? got into restaurants then because entertainment and, and hospitality as in, in regards of restaurants combine, right? Yeah. But they are very, very different, right? Absolutely. So how did, how did it come to be that? You know what? I saw, I saw a gap in the market in the restaurant game. I've been wanting to run a restaurant since I was maybe, maybe five years before we started Ho Chi Mama. And the reason why is because I have such a passion for food and we grew up in Springvale, so you know the food that we we grew up eating was very you know Vietnamese, great Vietnamese street food. But we also grew up in in Springvale South, um, where where we kind of played basketball, big basketball uh, fans. Um, we played street ball a lot, and we're, we're we're very you know we we hung out at cafes, we went to the beaches, you know we we were very very we you know grew up as Melburnians mm. and and. Together with the entertainment industry, we learned so much about what people were after, the ambience they were after. And you know what? We also grew up in a hood where everything was affordable. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know, food was affordable. We we enjoyed 
enjoyed eating great food at an affordable price. And we loved the vibes and the ambience that we could create with our friends as well. So um, Ho Chi Mama was so inspired by this. And, and I suppose, you know, when we came together as a crew, um, we wanted to be able to offer Melbourne something affordable with the ambience that we could create in terms of, you know, the, the, the experience that we had from entertainment, bringing the kind of neon lights, the lighting, the right settings, the R&B beats, and into a setting where people could just come and enjoy their food and not think, this is going to blow my budget. Yes. So, you know, that was the whole concept behind the whole idea is to bring all elements, you know, I always talk about our five senses and bringing those senses together and producing a product that everyone will enjoy and appreciate. Why did you stop doing the nightclub sort of scene and that kind of stuff? Was there a reason Was there a reason why? Yeah, absolutely. I've been in nightclubs since I was 17 years old. And, you know, I, we, we, I left the scene at 31, um, which was, you know, uh, so a good, good 13 years, 13, 14 years. And um, it was, it, w- it got to a point where I felt like I loved the nightclub scene and I enjoyed it very much. But you go through that phase in your life where it was fun for, for that time of your life. Yes. And then you get to a time in your life where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm ready for the next phase. I'm ready for the next challenge. And I believe that, um, you know, restaurants and hospitals, uh, going into the restaurant was the best move for me. It was like the next step. It was the next move. So that's kind of where it was. And I was happy with it. I was happy with what I was able to create in the entertainment game, um, in the nightclub game. You know, we worked with some of the biggest nightclubs in Melbourne, almost every nightclub in Melbourne we've worked with. Um, and it's been such a great uh, opportunity to showcase all these events, but it was, I was ready to, for something new and, and to take on a new challenge, which, which you know, the hospitality and the restaurant game was exactly where I wanted to be. Mm. Are you surprised, like, when, when you were talking about your story and obviously getting to nightclubs at 17 and having these mentors in the industry who took you under their wing quite early, looking back, does that surprise you that you actually came into it that early and those people entrusted you or like what like what made can you look back and think about what made them trust you so much at such such a young age you know what i just it's it's i believe that everything happens for a reason and like you know meeting meeting the elusive guys was such a great opportunity for us when we were younger kids they show showed us so many things that i don't think any other um many many young people get to experience Mm. Um, we were very lucky, but I think it's not just luck. It's it's really the drive that we had. You know, we had, and we still have this drive. That's that's the best thing about us is that we're still so motivated about creating things, and we're so creative, and we love bringing our passion and creating, you know, bringing our imagination to life. That's what we love to do. So I think we were recognized for that by by some industry leaders, and you know, these leaders are greater what they do so i'm sure they they were able to recognize what we were doing and and bring us under their wings so you know i i am so grateful for that i'm so happy that we are able we were able to work with these people um and we still you know try to keep our relationships with with these people even to this day Mm, that's awesome when you look at both the industries in situ and you think about the nightclub industry and you think about the restaurant industry 
what was harder for you to run and why? Uh, the nightclubs were a lot harder. <laughs> <laughs> why is that? Um, late nights, uh, you know, you're not dealing with uh, customers who are complaining about um, not getting their food on time. <laughs> you're 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 dealing with customers who are drunk. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, that that's the difference, you know, and um, or they're coming in and they're, uh, you know, they're, you know, there's certain people where they're having drinks after drinks, and you know, it's you're trying to control a thousand people at a time, um, and sometimes it does get, it, get, it gets tough to be able, to be able to control that kind of crowd and. You know, security guards have it so tough, you know, mm. and, and and nightclub owners have it so tough as well, you know. And the late hours, you know, you're, you're working from 8 p.m. to like 6 in the morning. And, and you know, it's it's a tough gig. Mm. Um, it's a tough gig. And I think that's definitely nightclubs is, is, is tough. And it's a lot harder to be able to – anything can go wrong any night of the week, you know. Mm. And, and that's why I kind of – it was it was one of the decisions why I wanted to choose a different kind of lifestyle. Yeah, what was one of the most favorite events that you can talk about that you guys put on over those years? Oh, so many. Mm. Um, but um, you know, we ran some really cool um, white parties, like all white parties, dress in white, like winter wonderland kind of themes, and um, they were always my favorite. You know, um, you know, it would be a massive we bring a lot of elements to these events, you know, we'd have a lot of dances, a lot of all UV lights. And um, we ran our events at Crown Casino. So all level three. And we, we used to bring in, and the event used to be called Neverland. And uh, we used to bring in around three and a half thousand people, you know, and, and, and they were just my favorite. Actually, my last party was an all white party. And, and that was um, really cool as well. Yeah. So <laughs> um, yeah, these events were really good. Um, but we ran, we run a lot of events, and we, we've toured with a lot of people as well. So you know, every event has been different. But um, I think just just being able to create something from an imagination has always been my favorite events. Like something that we just created from scratch. Um, you know, we used to we used to run events and think so much outside the box. One of our events, we brought in a jumping castle into a nightclub. Wow! Um, and and you know that was so different. And you yeah. know these kind of things was kind of the creative side that we really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you sit outside the um, nightclub industry now, but like, there's been a lot of talk about how it's hard for the nightclub industry now to regenerate itself after COVID. Mm. As you sort of sit outside the industry now, like where do you think the nightclub industry is going to go moving forward? I, you know what? I actually think it's about to um, – it's it's getting better. It's getting better. Like That's I good. still meet with a lot of the nightclub promoters and, um, and the owners and I speak to them all the time. And you know what? It's people – people miss miss it, you know? Like, you know, we were locked down for so long and I feel like people want to come back. People want to enjoy themselves again. Dancing is like one of the most beautiful things we have. I feel like it's really starting to come back. I feel like there's going to be some really big festivals this year. There's going to be some really big concerts. Like, um, I, I, you know, re- like last night I was out in town and I saw a massive line for Jack Harlow. And I was mm. like, wow, this is so cool. Like Melbourne's coming back. Mm. I'm excited. I'm, I, I don't think... Um, I don't think it's going to go down. I think it's, if anything, it's going to improve a lot and we're going to start to see some really cool events come back to Melbourne. Yeah. 
do you, do you think it may change in the fact that a bit a bit like how I think the restaurant industry industry is kind of changing at the moment in the fact that people will go out less, but when they go out, they'll go to bigger names or bigger events or something that's a bit more exciting rather than going out a lot more. Because I remember when I was in my twenties, like I would go out four nights a week to yeah. nightclubs. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I don't think the market is now doing that at the same age, right? So, do you think that's going to change? Um, I. I'm I'm seeing big crowds still go out, you know, mm. like I don't go to events um, the way that I used to go out or I don't really go out to nightclubs as much anymore. Mm. Um, but I, I, you know, from what I see from my friends who are running these clubs, like I met with um, one of the guys who run Miss Collins last night actually to talk about um, what he's doing. And, and you know, there he's told me he's gone from like 600 people. Now they're bringing in thousands of people every week. So... Um, I do see, you know, it, it really depends. It's every venue is different and, and I I love that people are still investing a lot of time into creating events and, and actually renovating their venues and seeing like a change and a, an improvement. And it, it's just, it's exciting. I think, I think um, people still want to go out. I think, you know, yeah, I think it will slowly go back to those days where you go out three nights a week. I mm. think it will. It just takes time. And I think people are just getting used to coming back out again. Yeah. 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 It's just that repetition. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Feeling trust. Yeah. Um, how do you think that time actually helped you in the, in the restaurant industry? Because obviously you talked about the five senses there. And I think that's something in the industry we miss sometimes. We don't think about that. We think about a great quality product or just a great quality service or fit out or whatnot. Like, how do you think that time actually helped you and what you're doing now? You know what? We used to compete versus the biggest promoters in Melbourne. And um, we didn't have room to kind of make a mistake, you know. And um, because if we did, um, our events would go from 1,000 people to like 200 people in the week after to zero people, you know. (laughs) So... It was so important that every element of, of, a, of a night, of an event, um, would hit um, your senses and we would want to make sure you remember that night so that you tell everyone the week after that you want to come back to that night. Mm. So it was, it's very challenging to be able to run a successful weekly event as a, as a nightclub promoter. And every nightclub promoter knows that, you know. Um, it's easy to run a one-off event, grand opening, everyone wants to come and see it. But to maintain a weekly event, you need to be able to ensure that every single person that came to that event had a good time. Mm. Um, And I think because of that, that's the experience that we try to bring to our restaurants, that every single guest that comes through has a good experience. And our focus is not um, bringing the guests into the door. It's actually the guest itself when they arrive and from the time they sit to the time they leave, that every element was met. Mm. Because only then, and we, and that's how we began. Like Ho Chi Mama's success began with one by one. It was word of mouth. It wasn't a massive marketing campaign. It wasn't like, you know, uh, a massive something just launched us, you know. It wasn't like that. It, our, our, our thoughts and what we thought about from the beginning was we don't want to blow up. We don't want to create a massive grand opening and then the week after, it's it's slow. We want to slowly build our brand and we want to slowly take care of every single customer that came through that door. And mm-hmm. slowly, slowly, we believed 
and ourselves and what we were doing that um, people would eventually hear about it. Um, and that's and I and I truly believe that's how Ho Chi Mama became, you know, Ho Chi Mama today. Yeah. Obviously you've got the two Ho Chi Mama sites and then you've got straight out of Saigon. Yeah. Um they are they are different, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. Is there a reason why you didn't do like it's not all one name and why you've done two different names? Yeah, look, Ho Ho Chi Mama, um I I I'm I'm not a big fan of creating too many of the same brands because I like to create a unique element in, in, in the one one venue. Yeah. Um, Ho Chi Mama CBD is so different to Ho Chi Mama in Richmond, you know. Um, Ho Chi Mama in Richmond kind of reminds me of our of, of the first Ho Chi Mama that opened on Liverpool Street. Um, and that element was like really natural, very warm, um, used a lot of, you know, we used a lot of the natural elements like brick and 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 plants and warm ambience and you know our neon sign like it has that Liverpool Street kind of feel, um, and and it's a little bit smaller and it's and it's awesome like that. But with Ho Chi Mama and the CBD, we wanted to bring, we really wanted to bring that wow factor and and make it a little bit more um, CBD like um, and. And yeah, so you know they're two very different venues, mm. um, and you can get a bit of a personality from Richmond, and you get a different personality in the city. That's why our menus are a little bit different as mm. well, mm. Um, and we offer a little bit different styles of cocktails and drink menus. But straight out of Saigon, as well, is is an amazing um, hole in the wall. I call it. You know, it's 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 it really really brings that. It's it's a very it's a it's a small seated restaurant, but it's very personable. You know, like um, you can feel the heart, you can feel the warmth, you can feel the soul when you walk into Straight Out of Saigon. It's it's such a beautiful venue um, for I- for an intimate experience, mm. um, and I love that about Saigon as well. And um, you know, yeah, and and all these. All these different elements kind of come together. So every venue you go to, you kind of get this, a similar experience in terms of value, um, in terms of uh, food quality, and in terms of service. But they all have its own personality, and and that's the difference between them all, which yeah. is is what I love. Do you think like your the brands want to really think about the customer and making sure the customer comes back a bit like how you talked about with regards with nightclubs. Um, that I imagine that must be incredibly important in a very competitive market. Like a lot of people will put um, Southeast Asian cuisine in the same bucket, right? Yeah. And then say there's a lot of restaurants trying to do um, similar things in the marketplace, especially in a place like Melbourne um, and obviously Sydney and, and Brisbane as well. Is it hard to stand out? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Absolutely. It's hard to stand out. You know, like there are there are so many restaurants and, and I just want to shout out to all the restaurants because I know how hard you guys are all doing it. Like it's, it's not an easy game. Mm. You know, we have a million moving parts every day <laughs> <laughs> and we're trying to make sure that every moving part is going in the right direction. Um, and, you know, it's tough. It's really tough to stand up. My my thing has always been that you know at the beginning of Ho Chi Mama we we struggled. We were we were we were so quiet. 
for the first two years, you know, we almost we almost wanted to give up. Yeah, you know? right. And it was tough for us. Like we, um, we, you know, me and me and my business partners were were you know struggling to kind of you know pay rent sometimes, and we were we were struggling to kind of um, you know make ends meet. We, we were starting to go into the red. Um, and you know, customers, we didn't, we weren't getting as many customers. Um, and, and, you know, we didn't, we didn't understand how hard it was going to be. And then all I know is that any business, anything that we start in, in hospitality and all restaurateurs will know this, it's about being patient. It's about being consistent it's about starting off slow and learning you know what your 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 true brand is and who you are you know and then staying consistent with that and offering that to to our guests and to our to the people that come to our restaurants and slowly slowly just by believing in that and believing in consistency and you know believing in that we will eventually make it gave us the motivation to stick it out and you know i remember i was doing 80 hours a week when we first started and and it was just like from washing dishes to waitering to being a bartender to cooking in the kitchen like we did it all you know just to make sure that we could survive and we could open that door but um yeah going back to the hospitality industry and how do we stand out? I I truly believe that it's it's believing in what we're creating. You know, we're the creator. Only the owner and the directors or whoever it is knows what they're trying to create. It's that imagination and bringing it to life. So, and being consistent with that and really believing in what that vision is and staying consistent, staying consistent, staying consistent, and not giving up. That's what makes us stand out. If we think that it's going to happen in six months, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't happen like that. This The hospitality game takes sometimes years. And, um, I, you know, honestly, Ho Chi Mama took at least two years before we started to become, you know, someone or, or a name or a brand that people started to recognise. I imagine it must have been beneficial, the fact that there wasn't just you running this ship, like there was a, a number of owners involved. Because mm. when you're going through these hard times, I imagine leaning on each other and, and talking about the challenges of business with each other would have been really beneficial during that time, right? Yeah, look, we we, 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 we have an amazing team. Um, I think from the beginning, I would say that that's what kept us alive. Mm. Our team, our head chef, um, our venue managers, our staff, um, you know, I've been so lucky to be able to, we've been so lucky to be able to have such a great team, people with so much heart and so much care that they wanted, they saw the same vision as us and they saw how Ho Chi Mama could become a household name on Melbourne one day. Mm. Same as straight out of Saigon. Like, it's unbelievable um, how much, how well straight out of Saigon's also become you know, and this goes to the people. This goes to our people, like, you know, our head chefs, our venue managers, 
our staff, our waiters, our kitchen hands. Like they, they all do, they all create our brands. Mm. And um, without them, we would not be where we are today. And I, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be confident enough to say, Hey, you know what? I can survive this. And because of them, I, I know I can, cause I know how incredible they are. Mm. Do you think that empathy that comes through like right now talking about your team and obviously the great environment that you have with inside the venues is the reason why you've been able to retain the team because it's never been a harder time to try and retain staff in the hospitality industry. Like, do you think that's how you've been able to keep them going? I look, I, I believe that um, hospitality industry is, is, is a great stepping stone for a lot of people's careers. Um, and a lot of people, you know, come into hospitality um, and it's part of their kind of journey in their lives. And, and they come in to, to meet other people, to engage with customers, to, um, to be part of a community. And it's such a f- crucial part of their, their lives, um, especially... You know, if someone is coming from another country, they're backpacking and they, they're coming through and they're getting a hospitality job or, you know, you, you are from, from Australia and you, you're going into hospitality and it will, whoever it is, it's so, it's it's a big part of their journey. So my, I've, I've always had a vision where I've always told my people that, um, or our staff that, um, you know, we want you to feel like you want to be here and we want you to passionately enjoy what you're doing, mm. you know, because this is your life. This is this is your eight hours a day. This is your one third of your day. So however we can, whatever we can do to make you enjoy that experience and want to be here, then we know that they're going to have a great time. They're going to feel happy. Um, and that's the energy we create with our people as well, mm. our guests, um, you know, everyone. And we're so fortunate that, you know, we've had um, team, you know, we've, we've got staff members who are still with us from day one. So, you know, it's, we're, we're so fortunate that, um, you know, we've been able to create that kind of culture in our, in our group. Mm. Has the last two years made you think about the employee experience and the culture any differently? Like, obviously, you've always had a really great place to work, but is is there anything else that you guys have added, you know, over the last couple of years that have made it even better? You know, you know, I think um, I I was very lucky, actually. I, I've always thought about the employee experience. I've never not thought about the employee experience. I'm mm. um, very lucky in the sense that I came from – Telstra Big Pond where I, I had a job there where my, my role was to be an employee engagement lead. And what that meant was I needed to make sure that everyone wanted to go to work. Yes. Um, <laughs> and how do I get people to go to work and not um, take sick leave or, you know, not take take too much leave and that they wanted to be in a workplace. So um, we incorporated a lot of these systems from the beginning, you know, creating reward, um, R&R we call it, um, reward and recognition for, for our staff members. Um, for the way that they go above and beyond for our businesses. So um, that was a really, that was one of the driving, I think that's a big driver of why we've been very successful with our team and, and created this winning environment um, or, or um, you know, a positive environment to be in where they are recognised, where they are being rewarded for the for the outstanding customer service that they, they provide. Mm. So yeah, absolutely. That's, 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 
that's something that we've always thought about. And, you know, we're, we're continuing to implement um, new systems where, you know, employees are being recognized because there's nothing, I think that is one of the most important things is, is you know, you go to work and, you know, things are tough outside of work for everyone as well. So we want to make sure that people are actually being recognized when they're at work. And, and if they're going to put in their heart for, for the company, then the company wants to put in their heart for them. Mm. We talked about the start of the podcast, obviously, and when we caught up a couple of months ago, mm. um, we talked about your passion for sort of entrepreneurship and, and really mentoring people. You know. yeah. Do you want to talk about that a bit and how that sort of came about? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've, I, I work for a company called Project Gen Z as well. So Project Gen Z is a social enterprise and we go around to primary schools and high schools um, all around Australia and we talk about young children and, and, and entrepreneurship and young people who don't know much about entrepreneurship. It's so interesting because when I ask the question in these, sermon, in these workshops, who here knows what an entrepreneur is? You'll be surprised at how many people actually know what an entrepreneur is. <laughs> um, and, uh, but yeah, so I have a big passion about helping young people or anyone really um, start and create their own businesses and, and come from a place of their heart and soul and be able to create from a place of passion um, instead of creating from a place of other people's expectations. I always, always say at these workshops that everyone should be able to follow their dreams. And, and a dream is not a dream. A dream is just a goal. And first of all, it's about how do you create this goal? It's about how do you actually create a goal and set a goal for yourself and how to actually take steps to achieve these goals. So um, I'm so I'm so fortunate. I'm so grateful to my friend Cheryl who introduced me to Liz, who's the owner of Project Gen Z. Um, and, and she's given me such a big... Um, opportunity to be able to go to schools um, and present to to young people and and yeah I have a very very big passion about and we do these great workshops where you know um, similar to what I did in high school where I started that business and we do it with these these kids and um, it's such a yeah it's really really good I love that I love that's actually one of my favorite things that I do I'm doing at the moment um, and yeah I imagine that you're obviously doing that because it was sorry, it was Mrs. P, wasn't it? Mrs. P, yeah. Right. Is it is that because like you want to just build on that legacy that you got at the start? I it's it's you know what it is. I just I I always see myself as um, the kid who didn't fit in. You know, I always saw myself as the kid that um, had so many expectations and I didn't achieve it for my. For the people like my parents, they expected me to be highly academic um, and I wasn't very good at school and um, I wasn't always the kid that everyone wanted. Like I was I was kind of felt a bit left out um, and I didn't believe in myself much when I was younger, you know. I had all these expectations from friends, family, teachers and everyone around me and I wasn't meeting them. And until Mrs. P came along and gave me hope that it wasn't just about if I got an A plus in maths or I got an A plus in English, it was actually about following what I thought I was good at. Mm. And um, that changed everything for me. And that changed my life. And, you know, it changed the way my parents saw me. And, you know, my parents always thought that I needed to do well in school to be able to get somewhere in life. But you know what? 
I showed them that I could do it differently. And to be able to be successful in this way, I'm so grateful that I'm successful or I've been able to create a brand that's quite successful. But at the same time, I want to be able to give that back. I want to be able to give that back to the community, to the to the younger people out there who are feeling like this. Because I know I felt like that and it didn't feel good. And if I can make a difference to that community, then I want to make that difference to that community. I want to help these younger people believe in themselves and to believe that it's not just about getting an A plus in English. You know, mm-hmm. it's actually, you are actually more than capable of achieving anything you want in life. And you can be anyone you want to be. Um, and just because you didn't do well in that subject, don't give up, you know, like, and I'm a living proof of that. And I want to be able to share that story so that young people can really believe in themselves and believe that anything is possible. Even if you don't get the enter school you want to do that subject that you are expected to do after high school, guess what? There's going to be millions of opportunities for you um, that are that are other than that subject, you know? And you just got to know that that's not the end, you know? That's just the beginning. And anything is possible as long as you come from what you love, you know? Eliminate everything else and just do what you love. Do you think it was just Mrs. P believing in you that actually gave you that belief? Because if you're talking about yourself as an outsider Mm. at school, to come from like zero to hero and actually believe in yourself and start to run events, I mean, hello, like that takes a lot of energy, um, belief um, to actually do those kind of things, Ty. Like was was it literally just that particular moment and then maybe having that crew around you that sort of puts you through? I think it was that first feeling of success. Yeah, you know? like right. After we ran that high school lunchtime party, that was the first time in my life where I actually felt I was worthy and I felt like wow. I did something good. And I just, I went from there, you know. We just, we were like, you know what? Let's just feed off this energy and let's go. Let's Let's go out and let's, Let's do some more of this because that's what I love. That's what I felt good about. Mm. So, um, yeah, you know, people, people, I, you know, I do have an opinion where I believe every single one of us has that magic in us. And I, I, I do, that's my opinion. And I know everyone, you know, um, have their own, but that's my personal opinion. And, I, and when I, when I speak or when I go to these schools and present to these children or to the younger people, um, I see the magic in all of them Mm. and I want to be able to help bring it out Mm. in any way it is, you know, it can be, it it doesn't have to be what I've done. It can be what they love. You know, it's, it's anything that they enjoy to do. It could be that, you know, they love surfing or they love, um, toy cars or they love, you know, anything. It can be anything. It's, it's literally anything like anything's possible. So, um, it's just, you know, Albert Einstein always said, you know, it all comes from an imagination. It's literally just an imagination that we create. And from there, you know, something magical happens, you know, in the outside world. And mm. yeah, that's it. Obviously, you give so much to Project Gen Z. Yeah. But what do you get back from that? I I get back, I I I feel like I I get back... I'm giving back and by giving back that makes me feel 
like I have a sense of purpose. So I think what I get from this is a sense of purpose. And um, and it feels right. You know, it's hard to explain what I what I get, but at the end of the day, it feels right. It feels like this is a part of what I want to do and how I how, how I kind of do it is um, I've always grown up being mentored by, by other people and it's only right that I it's not it's not only right but it only feels like the right thing to do for me to be able to give back as well because I've been able to be given such a great opportunity myself and you know even though along the way was there was been so many ups and downs like there's not it's not just all success it's been very very hard i've gone through some really difficult times in our careers in in all careers and we've had to and we talk about this as well you know um it's about how we overcome these hurdles and you know they're lessons they're all lessons and they every every failure is just a stepping stone towards success and i truly believe that do you think about that first party a lot that was successful and using that as motivation for you but also pushing that motivation onto these kids that you're you're actually talking to and hoping they'll get that feeling as well yeah absolutely yeah yeah that's 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 you know we're able we're so fortunate enough to be able to present our stories to these to these schools and um and it's just it's just great to see them light up you Mm. know and to see what they their eyes light up and become really engaged. Um, I don't because I I know how it is to be a high school student or to be a primary school student, um, and them asking questions and very curious. Like the whole room, like even the naughty kid in the corner gets involved, you know. And like <laughs> it's 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 such a it's such an amazing feeling. It's um to know that you can make an impact on these people's lives. That's 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 what I do it for. That's awesome. What advice would you give to people running sort of multi-format businesses like yours? And obviously, you know, you're doing different things outside like Project Gen Z outside the businesses as well. Like there's a lot going on. Yeah. How do you sort of organise your time to make sure it's successful? Um, to to make sure it's successful, I, uh, I learned this, you know, very early in my business life. It's all about structure. You mm. know, it's all about how strong you build that base and then every piece that goes on top. Um, so the most important thing to run multiple venues successfully, um, is to have a strong structure and, um, that's what I work on. That's my job. My Mm. job, um, as CEO is to just make sure that the structure is strong. Mm. Yeah. How do you continue to do that? Because like, it's a tough time to obviously have strong structures in place at the moment. Like, um... Yeah, how do you I, make sure you continue to yeah, do that? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I, um, It's investing into your people, actually. It's not about... I know it's, it's so tough right now um, hiring in hospitality um, and getting the right people, but it's about um, growing your people, you know, the people within your organisation already, um, the people who already worked so hard um, for you and have been there with you through through the rough times. Um, and those are the people you w- we want to invest in and, and, you know, to be able to create them and make them into something um, is, wh- is what we try our best to do is to be able to um, arm them with the right tools to be successful. Mm. My final question too is like, you know, you've got obviously three venues now. Um, what exciting projects have you got 
on the uh, on the horizon for the rest of this year. Yeah, look, we're 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 about to open our fourth venue. Um, it's going to be um, this is really going to be a fun project for us. This is we're trying. I'm trying to be, bring in the elements of the really bring in those those the elements of what I've been able to be inspired by by traveling. Um, I've done a lot of travel in my life and I want to be able to bring all these elements together into this one space. Um, it's going to be our function space. It's going to be our cocktail bar. It's going to be our wine bar. It's going to be um, a live music venue. It's going to be a place where people can go and have smaller dishes, great drinks, great cocktails, and then eventually it will turn into a live music venue. Um, and and we want to bring so many different elements of what we've been able to experience in our life and, and our personality into this venue. Um, and, yeah, we're, we, we, I, I can't give you more than that right now. <laughs> uh, it will be hopefully open by the end of this year. Um, and, and we're so excited to launch it as well. So it's our, it's our fourth venue. Um, and yeah, that's, that's coming up for us. I feel like it's a kind of culmination of all your work that you've done. And obviously the group has done right. Sort of bringing it all together in a way. Yeah, it, it pretty much is. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly how, um, that's what it's going to be. And yeah, we just, we just want to, we want to, we want to be able to, people are going to be able to come here and feel alive, you know, and um, from great food, from great food to great drinks to a great wine list, um, really good, cool ambience. Is it? The clue is it's a little bit hidden, so it's kind of like a spe- speakeasy kind of vibe, mm-hmm. um, but with underground kind of Manhattan vibes as well. So, mm. um, you know, being able to have live R and B funk music, jazz bands, and um, we're gonna do we're gonna do a lot of live music in that venue. It's gonna be exciting. Yeah. Um, and offer like you know private dining space in there as well, so it's going to be cool. That's awesome. Was was it hard to? Because obviously this would be the biggest project that the team's done, right? Like, was it hard to think about doing a big format venue like that after the couple of years that we've had, or is the fact that other restaurant owners in Melbourne have done bigger format venues like, obviously what Chris Lucas is doing, but also Andrew McConnell, yeah, um, those kind of people like did that give you more confidence to do a venue like this? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's it's I, I I love what everyone's doing and I love that hospitality is coming alive again. People are acquiring venues and creating new venues and new spaces and new businesses. Um, I'm hearing about it all the time and it's so good. I'm loving it. You know, the more the merrier. I always think with with this space, we've always wanted to have a venue for functions and we've always we've we've never really had a a private dining space or we've never really had a a space where we can say you can hire the whole venue and make you know chuck your birthday there or um have your engagement there so this venue is for that as well you know mm. it's it's a it's it's we can do functions we can do events um and then we can really turn it into a place where you can go to have a good um a good night out as well so um there's so many different um we, there's so many it's very uh yeah it's 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 very different but it's also all comes together for what we need as a group. So mm. it works really well with us. Man, I can't wait till it opens and uh, to come and visit. Yeah. Um, it's going to be very exciting and I think is going to be 
yeah, the real combination of everything you've done. So yeah. I know it's going to be awesome, man. Yeah, thank you. I know people have really enjoyed this podcast. Definitely want to going to reach out and obviously maybe potentially work at Ho Chi and, and obviously at um, Straight Out of Saigon as well and obviously this new venue, which will open later this year. Yeah. What's the best way that people can, you know, contact you and find out a bit more information? Yeah, look, um, if people want to work uh, at Ho Chi, just uh, email our, our inbox, which is info at melbourndininggroup.com.au and our website, our Instagram is Ho Chi underscore mama and then uh, Straight Out of Saigon is at Straight Out of Saigon. Uh, we've also we've also got a website straightoutofsaigon.com.au and we got hochimama.melbourne. So um, yeah, that's how you reach us. Perfect. As always, linked up in the show notes of the podcast. Taiho, thanks so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. <laughs> thanks for tuning in to another episode of Principal Hospitality. Hope you really enjoyed that podcast. I definitely know that I did, especially as we talked a lot about entrepreneurship today. And I think that's really something that we'll focus on for the next couple of episodes because that was awesome. Please come out and like and share this podcast with your friends in the industry. We're making the content with the industry in mind. So we'd really appreciate you sharing along to know those that you know and also leaving a comment would be awesome as well. If you don't know us at Poe, Sash, my co-founder from Principal Design, has one of the best design agencies in Australia. So if you're looking for anything around strategy, branding, digital design, wayfinding, graphic design, you can find them at principaldesign.com.au and myself at Open Pantry Consulting or 42 days for anything to do with systems and processes and obviously people and onboarding to make your hospitality business run even more smoothly. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode and until next time, stay safe everyone. Payo is a payment platform made by Hospo for Hospo. And their new self-checkout technology, Payo Checkout, is here to help you manage your venue. It lets your customers easily settle the bill at the end of their meal in seconds by scanning a Payo Checkout QR code on their table. No apps, no downloads required. Give your customers the convenience of lightning-fast contactless payments and the option to split the bill however they like. Get more tips with Payo Checkout's integrated tipping system and get paid upfront once your customers have confirmed their payment. Start offering self-checkout for your customers and save an average of 10 minutes per table with Payo Checkout, the fastest way to pay in hospitality venues. Setting up Payo Checkout is seamless and pain-free. Visit payo.com.au.